I want you to think this morning about that story of Jesus when he intercepted those two disciples that were walking on the road to Emmaus. Do you remember that story? So Jesus had been crucified, he rose from the dead, and he had begun appearing to people in various places and at various times. And these two disciples were walking on the road to Emmaus, and they were talking about everything that had happened. And no one had told them about the resurrection yet, and they were talking, and Jesus comes and begins walking with them, and he begins speaking to them. And they get enraptured in the words of Jesus. And it even gets to a place where they get to the place where they are going to stay for the night, and they beg and they plead with Jesus, stay with us, talk with us more. And, and, and so he does, and well, here's, here's what happens. They still don't know who he is, but in Luke 24, 30 through 32, it says, when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us? while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. Now, what's unusual to me is when I think about that, because I'm the type of a person who I try to put myself in the place of the person in the story and imagine what it would be like and imagine the setting and everything that happened. And when I try to imagine being one of those disciples, and I think about the fact that Jesus had come and, and was walking with us, and we spent the better part of a day with Jesus, who we had just been talking about, and yet didn't recognize him. To me, that would be unusual, and I'd be talking about that. Or how about the fact that when we did recognize Jesus, he just vanished in front of our eyes. I think I'd be talking about that. I don't think there was a big precedent for that happening up to that point. But what were they talking about? Did not our hearts burn within us when he talked? But we can understand that because we understand the power of words. And more than that, we understand the power of God's words because the power is infinite. And we get the power of words. We talk about that here. We preach on that here. We have classes about the power of words. And we know a lot about the power of words. So much so that I think that we have to be in kind of a caution mode that we don't become a people of words only. Can anybody see how that could happen. We don't want to become a people of words only. Now we value the word. We value teaching, learning, growing in knowledge. I mean, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You may prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. And so we value that. But words alone don't bring results. Now, I did not say words don't bring results. What I said was words alone don't bring results. And so 
I became aware of what I think is a unique danger for, generally speaking, for people like us gathered in a room like this today. And it was something I noticed in myself years and years and years and years ago. And I've always been kind of cautious about it. And that's that it's possible to come on a Sunday morning to hear a message, to get stirred up, and to even feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and then walk out of that meeting feeling like what needed to happen, happened. In other words, what I'm saying is it's possible to feel a stirring and to feel uh, a conviction of the Holy Spirit and believe or deceive ourselves that that was the end of what needed to happen. Now, Pastor Sean has been preaching over the last, well, he preached for about four weeks on having a hunger for God. And those messages, in case you didn't already know, those four messages are the word for God for this place right here, right now. He preached on stirring up a hunger. He preached on hunger leads to renewal. Hunger leads to risk. Hunger leads to revival. This is what God is saying. And it should stir you up. But if it only stirs you up, does it have any value? That's what I'm talking about today. Words lay tracks for change. Words lay tracks for movement. Words lay tracks for progress. But a train was never meant to sit on tracks, right? It's meant to move. And so the words have to draw us in to a response. And so that's what we're talking about today. Uh, I've just, as Pastor Sean asked me to speak today, and I was praying about, okay, God, what do you want me to talk about? And I just started thinking about everything that's been happening here. It seems like like there's just been an acceleration of the Word of God, the power of God, the presence of God here, a marked difference that's really, in my opinion, different than any other time in the history of this church. And what I felt like God led me to talk about was in all of this Word that's been spoken, people need to know that they have a part to play. They need to respond. So, you know, we can get worked up about these messages. We can say amen. We can talk about it on our way out the door. But if we don't respond to what's being said, if we don't respond to those four messages and everything else that's been happening, then where's the value? Where's the purpose? God is doing incredible things here. Um, we've, we've put some of this out on on our Facebook page and, and spread it around a little bit that way. But just, just in the area of healing, just in that one area, that's not the only area, but just in that one area, we are seeing people healed. I mean, and I mean we are seeing people physically healed of medical conditions in a miraculous way. And we're seeing a consistency and an uprise in that that's different than anything we've ever seen before. But what I think is that God wants to move from doing miracles to you towards doing miracles through you. And there's a difference. 
And so that's where we want to go today. So here's our text. In James chapter 1, 22 through 25, some of you predicted this already, but this is what it says. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. Um, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So, I'm guessing that most of you in the morning when you get ready, you take a quick look in the mirror before you head out and do what you've got to do, right? Make sure everything's okay. Take a look in the mirror. If there's anything to comb or brush, then you go ahead and take care of that. I remember those days. (laughs) What this verse is saying, though, is that God's word is our mirror. We look into it, and it tells us who we are. It tells us our identity. But what that passage is saying is that if you don't act, if you don't receive God's word, then it doesn't do anything. It doesn't change you. You're like someone who looked in a mirror, and then you turned around, and you walked away, and you forgot what you saw. So we can hear God's word but we have to receive it and respond to it for it to change. Think about it like this. If if I told my kids to go upstairs and clean their room, then I'm going to assume that they're going to come back downstairs in a little while and tell me, okay, our rooms are clean, right? And in this idealistic make-believe world that I'm making up here. (laughs) But what would happen instead if they came back downstairs and they said, okay, so we went upstairs and we got together and we formed kind of a small group and we talked about what you said about cleaning our room and and we dug deeper and and we looked at the literal meaning of those words and and some of us read books about it and and one of us is actually going to start a podcast about this and, and, and maybe even write a book and I would say, no, stop, I just want you to do it right? I just want you to do it. And so knowing about healing doesn't get anybody healed. Knowing about evangelism doesn't get anybody saved. Knowing about God's love doesn't spread his goodness to the world. I've been a guitar teacher on and off for 28 years, and I've had beginner students and intermediate students and advanced students, and I could tell you anything you need to know about how to play the guitar. I could tell you what your hands are going to do. I could tell you uh, every little minute detail. I could talk about the theory behind it all. But you guys know that unless you pick up a guitar and start playing it, you will never learn. You'll never do it. You'll never actually be able to do it. And so today, we're going to take a look at um, several different videos to kind of drive this point home. 
I really don't have a message with a bunch of different points or anything like this. I just felt like we need to talk about this one thing and allow the Holy Spirit to bring us to this place. So let's go ahead and play that first video. This is my friend Jill. Besides her grandsons, Jill's never prayed for someone to receive healing. Many can relate to Jill, so we thought we'd bring her on our TV show for a grand experiment. So we've got Jill here with us in the studio. Jill, you've got a real desire to see miracles happen, but you haven't yet seen it uh, through your own hands. Is that right? Yes, I have. That is one of the deep desires in my heart, is to be able to, to lay hands on people and pray for them and know that Jesus is going to heal them. Although Jill desires to step out in healing, like many, she has created reasons why she can't. I didn't have the confidence to go and do it because I wasn't sure if it would work. Well, I just didn't think that it was my ministry. Reasons aside, I wanted to take Jill out with me. So we're going to go out now. I'm going to find someone that we've never met before. I'm going to let you pray for them. And I believe we're going to see God heal them. I'm ready. I got a feeling the next few minutes are going to change Jill's life forever. This is so exciting. Oh. Average Christians measure themselves by other Christians. A normal Christian imitates Christ. Radical Christianity is normal Christianity. This is the normal Christian life. You ready to do this? Yes, I am. When we arrived there and got out of the car, Nathaniel approached some strangers and I was feeling a little bit nervous. One could only imagine the thoughts that may have been trying to invade Jill's mind. What if it doesn't work? Yeah, but you guys are gifted for this. It's too late for me. Don't you need a special anointing? But there comes a time for the rubber to meet the road. All right, this is going to be really cool. My friend Jill, Hello, she's, she's a Christian. She loves yeah. Jesus. <laughs> so, Alex, you say that you get, what was that, pain in your shoulder? Yeah. You could actually see a lump on his neck. Yeah. Right here? Oh, I can see a bit of a lump. Is it a lump? Like it's swollen. And what's that from? I don't know. Glands or something. So Jill's just going to pray for that man. I believe can God's going to Can I put my hand on you? Yep. In Jesus' name, I just pray now, Lord, for complete healing, Father, complete... And just like that, Jill is doing what she thought she couldn't. Before, I thought I couldn't do it, and then I knew I could. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just move your neck around a little bit. (laughs) What the... (laughs) The look on Jill's face says it all. It was just so exciting. It was just such a buzz. How's that feeling, bro? Yeah. You can feel improvement. Oh, God is so good. God is so good. Dude, isn't that awesome? So the, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us like a river, not like a lake. The power of God is in us like a river not like a lake. He wants to flow out. That's the desire of God. So I have an illustration here. 
Any of you who have heard me speak a couple times know that I'm all about the illustrations. So what do we have here? We have a clear glass mug. Now, this, for the purposes of this illustration, this is, this is you. And you come in here week after week after week, and just like Pastor Sean preached, you come in here with a desire or a hunger to be filled. You want God to fill you up, and you should. And so God, in his goodness, according to his word, begins to pour in the peanut butter M&Ms of his goodness and grace and fill you up. Now, what happens, oh, some of the goodness and grace fell out. What happens is you get to a place where you are full. Now, eventually, um, God can't put any more in. You're full, right? And so the question is, is this the final purpose? Is this the end? Is this uh, God's plan just for you to be full? Um, how does this fulfill his plan for your life? How does this, you being full, which is good, we want that, but how does this change the world around you? You have to actually do something with what you received. Uh, Matthew 10, 8. Let's look at that. It says, Jesus said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received and freely give. Now, conventional wisdom would say that we have to empty ourselves in order to give. But that's not how the kingdom works. So in the kingdom of God, God just keeps filling you until you begin to overflow everywhere. I tested this this morning. I knew that was going to happen. And so what happens is we have this overflow that is an abundance, more than we need. And we go around to various people in our lives and they get some abundance, some overflow. You guys are like, I wish we would have sat on the front row. <laughs> but so let's think about what happened now. The people that got those cups, they didn't come up to the front to receive. Maybe they didn't even think about doing that. Maybe those people didn't even think about coming to church. Maybe they don't even know about Journey Church. But those people have a connection with me. So, here's something to think about. How anointed the pastor is, how powerful the praise and worship is, doesn't really make any difference to those people if they're not walking in the door. And so this brings us to a place we can't solely rely on the pastor or the preacher on the radio or, or whatever it might be because those people 
it may be that their only possible connection to the goodness of God is you. And so this is how the kingdom works. God fills you to a place where you're overflowing and then you have to do something with that. Remember, the Holy Spirit exists in you as a river that flows out, not as a lake. So now that I've acted and moved and shared the abundance, God can just keep on filling and filling and filling me. I have another video. This one's just a tad bit longer, but this is just an incredible story along these same lines. So let's go ahead and roll well, it. This was uh, I don't know, like a week and a half ago, and um, I'm about 23 years old, so about 10 o'clock I get hungry again, so um, decided to... Uh, <laughs> Decided to go to the grocery store and get some donuts. And so, yeah, see, we got some other 23-year-olds here too. And um, so I walk into the grocery store, and I see this uh, girl with a hearing aid uh, at the checkout stand in front of the store. And so I said, excuse me, ma'am, is it all right if I could just pray for you? And she's all, sure, sure, you know, and she kind of gave me that look like, Okay, you know, I'm going to go my way. You could like pray in your, you know, in your room late at night for me and stuff like that. So, and I was like, no, no, I want to pray for you like right now. And she said, oh, okay. So I began to just tell her, hey, you know, God just likes to heal. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And, um, and so, um, so I began to pray for her. I asked her to take off her hearing aids. And, um, and so I go, can you hear me? She's all, oh yeah, I could hear you. And she was 100% deaf in one ear and 50% deaf in the other. And so I'm like, so I take a little step back a little further. And, um, and I said, can you hear me now? And I just begin to say, hey, my name's Chad. Just repeat what, after what I say. And she's all, okay, my name's Chad. I'm like, really, it is? And but no, it was. Um, and so then I asked her, you know, like, hey, my favorite, my favorite food is pizza. And I had to repeat it. So I get farther back, farther back, farther back. And to the point where... I went to the checkers and I said, can you guys hear me? And the checkers are like, we could barely hear you. And the girl with the, you know, that once had hearing loss and hearing aids, she said, I could hear you fine. She had better hearing than the checkers had. And so, so she's crying, but the other thing is the checkers are crying. And so right then I just realized, I mean, obviously God is here. And God just starts downloading me like words of knowledge about other people in the grocery store. And so I just begin to tell the checkers, I say, hey, God's here. God um, has also given me some other things that God wants to heal, some other like illnesses. Do you think it'd be all right if I just get on like the intercom and call them out? And they say, well, this is God. Yeah, here you go. And so, you know, they teach me how to use the intercom and I say, attention all shoppers. <laughs> so I just begin to tell him God is in this building he just healed this lady in the front who was deaf 100% deaf in one ear and 50% deaf in the other I had her get up on the intercom and give the testimony she's up there crying saying I could hear perfectly fine and um, so I get on the intercom and I say hey um, I feel like God it wants to heal a, um, a hip I actually saw that he just wanted to give somebody a new hip. So if somebody needs a new hip, just come on up. Um, if anybody, 
with vision problems, um, also anybody with wrists, if, if you have problems with your wrists, um, really carpal tunnel. And so people started like coming, and you know, I said, go to check out, you know, lane 10, you know, and like, so, so, <clears throat> so people start coming out of the groceries, like you coming out of the aisles, you know, like looking at me, like going, is that the guy, you know, is it, what's going on here? And so people just start wandering over and, um, you know, about like 15, 20 people. And then this girl comes, this motorized cart, you know, they used to go shopping and stuff. And so everybody's looking at her and she comes up and she goes, I'm going in for hip surgery um, next week to get a hip replacement. And do you really think God could heal me? And I said, well, of course, God could heal you. And so, so we began to, you know, just to tell her, like, hey, you know, this, this is all God. He's the God of miracles. He's the God of signs and wonders. And, and this is it. And so um, I say, so I begin to pray for her, and I say, okay, try to do something you couldn't do before. And she just like goes, ah, I don't think so. I don't think I should. And I said, well, just try to do something, you know. And I just begin to teach him and say, you got to activate your faith of what I've already, what already God has done. And um, so she moves her leg, and she just goes, <gasps> and I'm like going, oh no, what, what just happened? Like, is there something bad that just happened? And um, and I say, well, how how is it? And she's all. I was not able to do that before without pain. And so I say, well, why don't you try to stand up? And she's like, okay. And so she begins to stand up. And while she's doing so, she starts crying and saying, there's no pain. And she begins to walk around saying, Jesus just healed me. Jesus just healed me. Jesus just healed me. And so with this happening, everybody's like going, oh my gosh. Like Everybody's just watching this. And I start seeing in the back of this crowd, this guy starting to push people and to, to get his way to the front. And I'm like going, what is going on? And, um, and, and he goes, my wrist, my wrist had been hurt for two years. I play piano, um, I, I teach it, and I play in uh, concerts and, and things like that. And I have carpal tunnel and both of my wrists. Can you please pray for me? So I pray for him, and he starts moving his wrist around, going, Oh my gosh, they're on fire, they're on fire, they're on fire, they're on fire! So God totally heals his wrist. He tells me later, while he's crying, saying that he walked into the grocery store that night, saying to himself, Wouldn't it be great if all the pain left tonight? And he said he's never said that before. He doesn't know why he said that. And so... <clears throat> So after this happened, I decided, hey, it would probably be a good idea to share the gospel. I mean, you know, the kingdom just manifested. The kingdom is here. I might as well introduce them to the king. And so, so I just began to just tell them that, that the creator of the universe is here. It's not about me. This is what Jesus did on the cross. He did it to heal all the sickness and, and to release freedom for the captives, and most importantly, to have salvation. So I just begin to share that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus, just, just the simple gospel. And I said, who wants to know him? Who wants to know the creator of the universe? Who wants to know Jesus? And hands just start coming up. People just start getting saved. It was awesome. It was incredible. Yeah. In a, in a grocery store, in a grocery store, not at a healing crusade, not at a whatever, a tent meeting or a healing service or whatever, in a grocery store. And I, I wanted to show that to you because that should not be abnormal. That is the heart of God 
for this world. That's how the kingdom of God works through you and me. We carry that around. There's nothing special about 23-year-old Chad. He has the same Holy Spirit in him that you have in you. The same, that's the, that's the difference maker right there, is the power of God, the Holy Spirit in you. And he, you carry around the same Holy Spirit that he has. The only difference, and I'm not getting on your case if you're out doing that too, but the only difference is the willingness to do it. That's it. So we've got churches full of people all over this country, all over in every city, all over this country, churches full of people. Some of them aren't full. Some of them are full, but there's people in churches today. Why don't we see that kind of thing happening on a regular basis? I mean, the Holy Spirit is in hearts of people everywhere. And I think the reason is, as I was really just praying and seeking God about this, second, out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, a verse popped out and came to my memory. And it talks about how some people cling to a form of godliness but deny its power. Some people cling to a form of godliness but deny its its power. And 1 Corinthians 4.20 says that the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in, anybody? Power. So think about it this way. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. So you can have the words. That's what we're talking about today. We love words. Words are powerful. Words stir us up. Words even bring conviction. You can have the words, but if you don't have power, then you don't have the kingdom. Because the kingdom of God does not consist of words, but in power. So there has to be that element of the power of God. There's more potential to change the world in this room than there was in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And the reason I can make that case is that the same Holy Spirit that was poured out on those people is, has been poured out into us, is in our hearts. We have the Holy Spirit. We just have more carriers of the Holy Spirit in this room than they did in that upper room. We have more vessels, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. And maybe the only difference is the willingness to go out and share the goodness of God and obey the word of God and act and do. There are two billion people in the world that profess to be Christians. Two billion. Now, I, I don't believe that every single one of those two billion people are actually actively following Jesus. But what if just a fraction of those two billion people were really doing what the Word of God said? 
and not just hearing it and not just listening. I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about your world for a second. Focus in on your world. Your life is unique. It's special. It's different. It's set apart from everybody else's life. You have a unique set of friends. You have a unique set of family members. You have a unique job. You have a unique neighborhood. Your life is unique. Your life is special. It's different. And when you become a doer, this is what we're talking about today, when you become a doer, not just a hearer, you give Jesus a strategic place to change your unique life. Think about that. When you choose, and that's what it comes down to, to be active, not passive. When you choose to be a doer, then you give Jesus the opportunity and the ability to have a strategic place to change your world. And when each one of us does that, we go from changing our worlds to changing the world. What would happen if we all became doers? Think about it. Open your mind up to the possibilities. It's incredible. Now, I have one more short video I want to play. This video, I want to bring it down to here because we've looked at you know, what's happening in New Zealand or wherever that first one was, you know, what's happening in Chad's life or whatever. Well, I want to, I want to show you one more video of what's happening here when we become a doer. So let's go and play that last video. I was in the Tucson airport that morning and I asked God what he wanted to do that morning. He told me he wanted to heal somebody. And as I was watching and waiting, they wheeled a, a lady up next to me and she was a Muslim woman in full garb. And I thought, okay, this is it. And I asked her, I said, what's wrong? And she goes, my knee. And so I asked her if I could pray for her knee. And she said, yes, after some conversation. I laid my hand on her knee after asking permission. And I spoke healing over her knee in the name of Jesus in the Tucson airport. She looked at me with, oh my gosh, she just said Jesus. And it was quiet. She got on her phone, it impacted her so much that she FaceTimed her son in Florida super early in the morning and the son comes on and I'm like, okay, and I'm talking to him on the phone and he says, I just want to let you know, thank you for being so nice to my mom. We were so scared for her. She's heading back to Saudi Arabia and since she's a Muslim, we were fearful that people would tr not treat her with respect. And I said, everybody deserves love. And that's how God showed love to this Muslim woman and healed her right there in the airport. I used to believe that a man of God or a prophet would have to lay hands on me so I could receive a special anointing, so I could go out and minister to people. But I came to believe that's not true, that when I go out and minister to people, the Holy Spirit is there to work, just like when the disciples went out. I've since gone out and ministered at work, at Home Depot, at Lowe's, at the store, wherever I go, and the Holy Spirit shows up. I remember getting a haircut and talking to the lady. She said that her son has serious migraines. So I asked if I could pray for him. I did. I came back a month later. 
to get another haircut and she said, no more headaches. She was excited. And I asked her if she needed prayer for anything. She said that she has pain in her back. So I prayed actually several times and then left, came back a month later to get a haircut. No more pain. Thank you, Lord. So I trust the Holy Spirit wherever I go that he'll guide me. I've actually been out with Terry before um, in those times that he's talking about where we just went, I mean, we, we, we didn't stand on a street corner and hold up a sign or anything like that. We just went about our business and walked around and prayed for people just out in the world. Uh, we were at Walmart, we were at Home Depot, we were at Office Depot, and we just walked up to people and asked people if we could pray for them. We weren't, you know, we weren't jerks about it or anything like that. We just, you know, I think we approached about 12 people. About half of those people let us pray for them. And about half of those people got healed right there on the spot. And I'm just talking about right in the middle of the aisle at Walmart while people are walking back and forth and things like that. So what happened that day? We approached 12 people. Three people got healed. What do I take away from that? Three people got healed. And the, and the one thing I want to add to what Terry said, when I, uh, I was talking with him about this one time, I said, well, are you, do you go out and seek the Lord and, and ask God, who should I pray for? You know, lead me. Is it a person with a yellow jacket? You know, and, and he said, no, I just believe this is just sharing the love of Jesus and everybody needs the love of Jesus. And that changed the way I looked at all of this. Everybody needs the love of Jesus. And then this type of an approach, this attitude of acting, doing, going, sharing, opens the door for you to bring people to Jesus. I have one more example. This isn't a video uh, of someone being a doer, just right here in our family. And so Carol Graham is the founder and the director of Liberty Women's Clinic. And I want to read you a statement that she gave me. And while I do that, we're going to show some, some images of uh, Liberty Women's Clinic behind me as I read. Carol says, 20 years ago, Kim May was teaching a series on finding your personal mission, and I prayed that God would show me what he wanted for my life. Kim finished the series on Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and he mentioned that when LCF was birthed, he believed that a crisis pregnancy ministry was going to be born out of it. God used those words to shake my spirit. I wrestled with it for a few days until I was stuck in traffic on the I-35 bridge listening to worship music when the Lord asked me to take the reins of leadership in our community to save the lives of the unborn. I remember saying to him, I don't understand why you are asking me. I'm not qualified, but I promise to obey you, so yes. I soon learned that when you obey, you don't need to be qualified because he equips. In 20 years, over 2,000 lives have been saved through the ministry of Liberty Women's Clinic. But also many lives have been changed, including mine. God is looking for those who will obey him so that he will be glorified. Kim's yes was the catalyst to my yes, and my yes was the catalyst to many others. Listen to this. The return on our obedience is exponential. 
What an adventure. Let's have the band come back up. And um, also let's have the ushers come up. Because here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to preach a message on being a doer and not a hearer only. And not give you an opportunity to be a doer. That would be wrong, right? That would just be cruel on my part. And so I'm giving you an opportunity right now to take a step, to act. And so what the ushers are handing out to you, you guys can go ahead and pass these cards out, is just a simple card. And this card says this, as a doer and not a hearer only, I will share the love of God with these three people this week. And underneath that, there are a space for three names. What does this mean? While the band plays this song, I want you to seek God and listen to the Holy Spirit. And as he reveals three names to you, write them down on the card. And then over the next seven days, before you come back to the next service, the next Sunday morning, a week from now, you're going to share the love of God with those three people. What does that mean? That, that may mean uh, going and just encouraging them. That may mean, if they're sick, going and praying for them. That may mean bringing them a meal. That may mean leading them to the Lord. But it's going to be something that you actively do. It's not saying a quick prayer while you're driving to work. No, it's doing. It's acting. It's going. Do you understand, I'm, I'm not trying to devalue words. I'm not trying to devalue a quick prayer. There's power and effectiveness in all of those things. But I think that somehow our culture, especially, has driven home this idea that things are so fast, we're so convenience-driven, that our interaction and our action is reduced down to a Facebook response of praying when somebody has a need. You understand what I'm saying? I've done that before. Oh, this, you know, somebody posts something on social media. This horrible thing's happening in my life. Oh, I feel bad for that person. Praying, right? And of course, that assumes that you are praying. But what it looks like in the kingdom of God is to go beyond that. And so we're going to do this song, and I want you to just seek the Lord, pray, ask the Holy Spirit to give you three names of people in your world, in your life, that you're going to reach out to and share the love of God with this week. Father, I pray right now, God, that as we seek you, that you would illuminate to each person in this room three people and that we are going to explode out of this room your love. And we're going to have a massive effect in the next seven days of spreading your love, Jesus, to the world that we live in, each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.